Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on whatever platform you are listening to us on. However, you found us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And as always, thank you for sharing it with others. So greatly appreciate all the support. So hopefully, by the time this episode is released, many of you are either in the home stretch of your season or depending on what state or area of the world you're in, you might already be in the playoffs of your season. I know that the 20... 2020-2021 season is a bit crazy, but my fingers are crossed that basketball playoffs are happening during or around the release of this episode. And hopefully some of you guys listening are in a position to be in the playoffs and making runs in the playoffs. So with all that in mind, I decided to devote this episode to talk about making a run in the playoffs and just coaching in the playoffs. It's my hope that this episode can help give you some tips or ideas in managing the playoffs or just hear some great stories and insight from a coach who has navigated that journey. So to help share their insights on coaching through the playoffs, I'm very hoping it, very fortunate, that's English, very fortunate to be joined by Coach Kara Basil. Thanks for joining us, Coach. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for, for spending some time talking about this. And like I said, I hope that some of the coaches listening are also hopefully navigating some playoff journeys and, and gearing up for, for that part of the season. I know it's been a crazy year, but like I said, fingers crossed that they're, they're, so we have some coaches out there who are doing that. So uh, let's go ahead, coach, and get started with your basketball journey, your coaching journey. Where's, where's the game taking you and where's your coaching career taking you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I've been so fortunate. I tell people all the time that, you know, it's crazy where an orange ball can take you in life. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I played four years varsity basketball here in Richmond, Virginia, at a school called Monacan High School. And, you know, they're always known for being a really successful program and played for a great coach who, um, honestly, without him, uh, that's kind of where I got my start in coaching as well is, is with him. So I was really, really fortunate with that. Um, and then went on to play Division three basketball at Franklin and Marshall College up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, which is a really great basketball program, D3. I loved every second of it. Um, I think, you know, Division three athletics is really you get the best of both worlds. And I think at FNM, I got just that. So I played four years um, at FNM, had an awesome experience and, you know, after graduating, I knew I wanted to kind of at least stay in the game, right? It, mm -hmm. It's taken me so many places, um, and it was something that I was really passionate about, and it gave me so many opportunities that, you know, you almost feel indebted to it, and, sure. and you want to be able to give back. So um, I, right after graduation, I got on staff at my um, alma mater, Monacan High School with Coach Starr, um, and, and at that point in time, it was really, really successful team, had the number one recruit in the nation at the time on their team, Megan Walker, um, who's now playing for the New York Liberty, um, went on to play at UConn and, and all that. But she was kind of the centerpiece of that team. But um, they had a five starting um, college, collegiate athletes who ended up, you know, playing college. Yeah. Um, so they were a deep team, got to meet a lot of coaches that way. Um, also got to, you know, be with my high school coach and really get into the details of how he does things and um, it, it was such a great learning experience, kind of just seeing it from the other side. Like I played for him. So like, mm -hmm. you know what he expects, but yeah. 
I mean, it's a lot different when you're working side by side and really going through the details. Like as a player, you think, oh, you know, coach is playing in this practice because he just make wants to make it suck for us. But when, when you're on the other end, you, you realize everything's calculated. Um, mm -hmm. So really good experience there. Um, and after that year, we won a state title, went uh, 29 and one that year, um, won a state championship and VHSL, um, Virginia High School League, which is a public school uh, class four, won a state title that year. Um, they went on the next year to end up being nationally ranked. Um, but by that point, I was working on my master's degree at the Center for Sport Leadership at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, and while I was there, I had a, a graduate assistant position on staff with the University of Richmond women's basketball. So that's that's the beauty of having two really good programs oh, that are so close. Yeah. Um, they can work close together. So I was getting my master's at VCU, but working on staff with um, Coach Schaefer over at University of Richmond. And um, that, you know, was super eye-opening for me. Really cool experience, especially, you know, being a Division three player myself, mm -hmm. going and learning and, and being on staff at Division one level was really, really cool. And you, it's just a whole nother animal, right? And um, getting to learn the ins and outs of recruiting and um, definitely scouting and, and a lot of the operation stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So that was a really incredible experience um, that I was really thankful for. And at the conclusion of that year, I guess it was 2017, 2018, I joined on staff at the Stewart School, which is where I am now. Um, I joined as a varsity assistant and I was head JV coach at the time. So, you know, we had a really great year that year and um, made it to the, the VISAA, which is the private school leagues in Virginia. Yeah. We're division two in private school and we made it to state quarterfinals that year with a really, really young group and, um, you know, it, it was really cool to watch them grow from the very beginning. Um, and then from there, um, that coach that I was working for at the time, she took another opportunity and, you know, I stepped right on in. And this this is my third season as head coach at Stewart School. Um, love it. It's pretty much had the same group of girls the whole time. I'm really mm -hmm. lucky. Um, but but last season in 20, 2019, 2020, we were able to finally get over the hump and uh, won ourselves the Division II state championship. So got a really great, great group of hardworking girls and they really bought into the system and really fortunate to be where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I just thought as you were saying that, that how fortunate you were to actually sneak in and get that state championship game and play everything. I heard so many stories last year of teams that were just in the playoffs in their state and then everything got shut down before they had that opportunity. So that's awesome you, that you did. We were so fortunate. It was about a year, or I mean, a week before everything shut down. And mm -hmm. so I have, a, I have a twin sister and she still coaches. She coaches at a public school mm -hmm. um, in, in, the, in the county. And um, their team actually did make it to the state title game in Virginia, but the game was canceled. Oh, no. oh, so man. then they were just co-champions. So I mean, we were so fortunate to actually be able to play the game. We had yeah. no idea what was, what was about to hit us. <laughs> a great lesson for our kids, you know, take sure. advantage of every opportunity you get because you never know, right. you know what's going to happen. Right. Now, before I get into uh, the questions, I wanted you to give a quick little plug for division three basketball because i know as coaches we always face the battle of players who think like division one or bust and sometimes we have to think of these you know reasons and, and arguments to give our players as to why they should consider or be open to opportunities like division three so before i get started with my questions I, I want you to kind of give your sales pitch that maybe coaches can also like kind of learn from and use when they're talking to their players Oh, absolutely i mean i can't i can't say enough about the division three experience that i had um it was perfect for me 
Mm -hmm. I probably would have been riding the bench somewhere, you know, in in division one, never seeing the floor. So for me, it was an opportunity to to play and to actually compete and be on the floor um, in a small community at a small school and get a really high academics, um, but still have that structure and and be able to compete, which was the biggest thing for me um, and be a part of a team, be a part of a family. And it was great. I mean, everybody who says, you know, division three isn't it like, no, it's, it's really competitive. And uh, you got to be able to play to be able to play. Um, and I tell my girls that all the time, like, don't get, don't get like caught up in the shiny letters and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's a really good opportunity. And for me, I mean, it took me all over. I mean, we have to go to Puerto Rico. We went to California, yeah. we went to Spain, we went to Portugal. Like it's, it's not a joke for sure. So it, it can take you just as many places, you know, as a division one school can, it can give you those opportunities. Um, it's how hard you go in there and work and, you're going to have to work hard if you're going to yeah. play in time at the D3 level. So I, I totally say if you're interested and schools are interested in you, by all means, don't don't slide it because it's a really, really good opportunity. And, and I like that point that you brought up about the, the level of play that even happens at the D3 level. I think that as coaches, that could be a good opportunity to like take your players to even like see like division three basketball and be like, hey, like look at the level of basketball that's here like it's not a joke like if schools are interested in you and you have that opportunity like look at how the game is played it's it's legit like you said for sure oh absolutely I mean my even myself you know you kind of go in as a freshman even at the d3 level thinking oh I'm you know I'm great I'm going to start right away and you get humbled really quick because everyone's really good and no matter mm-hmm. what level you're playing at in college, it's a different game. Sure. Um, and you got to be able to perform at that level. And there's definitely a level of adjustment. And especially these days, you're getting, you're starting to see where you get some of these matchups where even D3 schools are competing, if not beating Division One schools in mm-hmm. some uh, cases, which we've seen this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's high-level basketball. I have friends who've gone and played pro out of Division Three. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just what you make of every opportunity you get. So certainly don't slide it. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with that. It's, it's an opportunity. Like you said, like it's an opportunity to play and to keep playing. And so, like you said, if schools are interested in you, like, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> chance, especially if the alternative is riding the bench somewhere else. I figured Amen. If you like playing, then go play. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So before uh, we kind of get into kind of the, the guts of the topic here of like coaching for the playoffs, I, I feel that every coach who's been fortunate enough to coach a, a championship team kind of has that moment during the season, or maybe there's multiple moments where like they kind of realize that they have like something special and there's really something about that team that, that gives you as a coach confident, like, wow, we could really do something in the playoffs. So for you, when, when you had your team last year, was there a moment or were there moments where you had that like feeling like, all right, we can do something special with this team? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about that. I think I kind of got two of those moments Mm -hmm. um, with our group. So coming into the season that we won the state championship, we had our entire starting lineup was returning. So, you know, I knew I had that group coming back, which was great. Um, So kind of knew what to expect. Um, But our first game that season, very first game of the year, was against an in-town rival who's a bigger school than we are, um, Mm -hmm. another local private school. They're tough. They're a really good team. Um, And we had some injuries and we had some kids that were going to be out of town. So I was going to be missing – two of my top five and three of my top six that day. And I was going to be starting an eighth grader, um, an eighth grader at the varsity level. Sure. We can do that um, in private school league. So she was going to start for us. And um, uh, we we were 
you know, it was a different look. We, we didn't have the depth that we normally did. Let's, that's, that's for sure. So, I mean, we had a good game plan. Um, it was a game tough the whole way. I was actually going into the game. I was like, man, we'll be lucky if we get out of here with a 10-point loss. Like, if we keep it within yeah. 10, I'm, I'm feeling good about sure. it. Um, and those kids, I mean, they came out. They executed exactly what we wanted to do. And without two of our top five, and one of those – actually that was missing ended up being state player of the year she's committed to going to jmu so i mean that's a big presence yeah. of ours that's that's out of that game um they they both without those guys starting an eighth grader and a ninth grader um we go in there and um, play a really really good team on the road and end up losing by one and i remember walking off the court and i'm ticked right because thought we should have won there were definitely like that game we had that game frustrated because if we had everybody you know you're running the what ifs scenario mm, through your course. head and their coach um came up to me and was like coach you've got a really good team like that was impressive and I kind of stopped for a second and I was like you're right that was actually impressive given the circumstances I were under like we can do something with this mm -hmm. um so him telling me that and it really was able to kind of flip the switch in my brain like you know what we really kind of put ourselves in a position to win when quite honestly we I didn't think we had a chance to win at all. Mm -hmm. So um, that that first game was really huge, and, and even though it was a loss, um, and, and kind of tipping us over the hump and, and getting going. Yeah. And then um, I guess the second moment throughout the season where I knew we could really do something special was uh, we were playing another rank uh, in our state division. The team was ranked number one in the state, and we were going to their place to play. Uh, on the road and one night and I I mean they're they're really good they got a lot of shooters they execute really really well and we have put a lot of emphasis on defending them uh, and being able to shut down their kids who they have a few like really elite kind of scorers out there mm -hmm. um, so we had put a lot of emphasis on that and I was just I was kind of number one you worry like are they are my girls going to be intimidated number two are they going to take it seriously number three are they going to compete like what are they made of um, so we get down there on the road and it was, it was a tough environment. Kids were amped up. We were down, we were down early, kind of came climbing back towards the end and, um, really closed out the game. I think we were up like three with maybe a minute or so left. And, um, you know, they're, they're pressing and we just executed so well in those moments. And once we beat them on the road and that was kind of towards the middle of the end of our season, uh, I was like, all right, like we can compete at a really high level um, mm -hmm. when we want to lock in, right? So we can focus, lock in, do what we're supposed to do. We can really compete at a high level. So that at that point, I kind of knew we had something special. Yeah, and and when you're having moments like that, was that something that you kind of let your team know? Did you let them know like, hey, like we could do like something really special here? I guess throughout the season, how do you kind of navigate the like your own belief, like, wow, we can really do a lot with this team versus like, all right, we got to make sure that like, we're just stay focused and try and keep things one at a time. So how did you kind of manage that during the season? Um, certainly something that I guess I, I honestly learned more from my high school coach than anyone else was that the power of belief is so, so it's powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he always used to be the one that even when you know, you thought you were going to get blown out by 30, that guy's telling you we're going to kick their butt by 20, right? Like, he, and he just had that conviction in him that just made you believe that you were untouchable. Um, and I think that's kind of something that I, in my role as a head coach now, is something that I kind of try and put on our players too, is that 
you know, all you got to do is believe in yourself because, you know, if you put the work in on the back end and you do what you're supposed to do, there's no reason why you can't achieve these goals and, and beat these really good teams because you've worked to earn them. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of times, especially with teenage girls, it comes down to confidence and you got to put confidence, even if sometimes it's not in yourself, in your teammates and everybody else around you. And um, for us, that's something that we, we harp on a lot. Um, so certainly, I mean, every game, that's kind of the goal. And um, after that first game of the year, like I was talking about collegiate, after their coach said that to me, that was the first thing I went in and told my kids. Um, it's like, you know, I know you're feeling down and I know this stinks, but you have to look at the long run. It's not high start, it's high finish, right? So yeah. it, you got to take things and learn from everything that we're doing because if you can correct some of these little things, which they're correctable, mm -hmm. you, you're going to have a chance to, to win and to be really, really successful. Um, because you've shown that you've had the heart and that you can compete. So put those things together and uh, you got a recipe for success. So I think that that's something that no matter who we're playing, where we're playing, our message is always about, you know, growing as a team and, and, sure. and getting better every game we play. Um, because at the end of the day, you want to get to the point where you're peaking at the right time in the season. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of that has to do with, do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in you know, the goals and the missions of your team. Um, and if you do, it's you're really hard to stop. Yeah. Uh, belief and just having that belief. And it's such a mental thing, but it means a lot, especially for teenagers, you know, to have their confidence yeah. up and to have that belief up in themselves. Yeah. No, I 100% I agree with that. So it, it's interesting from your perspective because you've seen, you know, playoff um, basketball at the high school level kind of through multiple different lenses. So when it came to coaching in the playoffs, what are what are some lessons that you learned? Maybe they could be things that you took from when you played or, or when you were at the assistant level or, or at the head level. What are some lessons that you kind of learned that kind of helped you in your coaching journey uh, through your different experiences in the playoffs? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing I said I've learned and taken away and, and tried to use in my approach as the playoffs is kind of, you know, simple simple's best, right? Like stay with what you do really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and don't try and overcoach the game, right? If, if you've been Hard successful, all, yeah. yeah, no, I, I know I'm guilty of it. And I have to remind myself of sure. that because especially in those playoff games and, and you're playing a familiar opponent even, and you want to start tweaking everything you've been doing mm -hmm. and you got to sit back and remind yourself like, yeah, it's the playoffs, but it's another basketball game. Um, and, and you've been preparing for this honestly, the entire season. And for some of those kids throughout their career to be in that moment. And um, you kind of just have to fall back on what you do really well um, and not overcoach and, and get in the nitty gritty. But, you know, with that said, we do prepare a lot for the teams that we play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we've scouted them, you're watching them, you know what they're doing, and we're going to try and attack those tendencies of those teams. So, if you're able to focus and lock in on those details and then execute what you already do really, really well, um, I, I think that's really helpful. And then for me, the always reminding myself is to try and stay calm, right? Stay in the moment. Don't yeah. start looking down the road and because it's bite off all you can chew in one, in one day. Focus on the team at hand. Even if, you know, your next game might be the next morning, you can't focus on that right now because you got to get through the first, right? So yeah. put all your time and your energy and your focus for one game at a time and um, hopefully it works out for the best for you. 
And when it comes to, you know, putting all that time and, and putting all of that um, focus in on that one opponent, the one whoever is the next opponent that you're going to face, you kind of touched on it with your with your previous answer. How much scouting, how much preparation do you and your staff put in when it comes to each game? I, I know it would be a little bit different if you've seen the team before or how often you've seen them, but what kind of level of preparation um, do you and your staff do or or did they do uh, this past year specifically? We, we put in a lot of time. We, um, mm -hmm. We're also the kind of team, I think it depends on your team as well. So we're the kind of team also that we're not going to outscore anybody. <laughs> we just simply don't have the firepower to do it. Okay, um, yeah. So we've got to defend, right? So our staff put a lot of emphasis on, you know, watching film, going to games and scouting these opponents that we were going to play and finding out, like making sure we had their sets, making sure we knew what their tendencies were, who their best player was, leading score, all that kind of stuff. Um, because we wanted to have that knowledge in order for the kids to have that knowledge. And I have a really, really good group of girls that, I mean, they're smart, they're gonna pick up on it and they focus on the details. Um, so, I mean, for every team that we're playing, and for us, that actually state tournament run was kind of unique in that the team that we ended up playing in the state tournament was from our own conference. So we had played them twice before. Bit, yeah. yeah, we played them We played them once in the regular season at their place and lost. Mm -hmm. And then we played them in the conference tournament championship and lost. And then we ended up, you know, playing them a week later in the state championship and finally got their number. But um, I think that... I think that is where the difference in preparation came for us because we kind of adjust at that point, we had to take a look at our game plan. And I think my assistant, he, he, he said it best to me because when we played in the first two times, we know who our best defenders are and who we want to put them on. Yeah. And so I really want my best player on their best player. Right? right. Like you think that makes sense. And finally we were like, wait, why are we doing that? Because that's not how we've done this all year. Like we should put our best defender on their best player. And our our best player is honestly a great help defender. She blocks mm -hmm. a lot of shots. So we put her on kind of more in a help position. So we just tried to full deny, you know, their best player with our best defender and kind of let our other girl um, stay out of foul trouble, quite honestly, and play more out of a help defensive situation. Um, but all those little adjustments is hours and hours of film. We clip a lot for the kids. We, we do a lot of little clips and film sessions. So not watching full game film, but like, look, here's so-and-so set that we have. And, and this is how we want to defend it and all those kind of things. And they'll have a paper scouting report, you know, <laughs> yeah. all that good stuff. Like we, we put in a lot of time in that. Um, but with that said, and our kids always, they're always talking to me like, we need to put in new plays. They know our plays, they know our plays. But for me, I'm like, I don't care if they know our plays because they still have to stop them. There's a difference between knowing them and stopping them. Mm -hmm. I can know everybody's plays, but we can't always stop them. Um, so, you know, we work really hard on defending other people's sets, defending um, any kind of situation that you think is going to be able to come your way. And our kids really, really did a good job of it. And with all of that preparation that you and your staff did when it came time to, to the playoffs, did that film kind of directly translate to what they did? Did coaches that you played tried to like throw new things or throw new wrinkles at you? I guess my question is, did those opponents that you played kind of stay true to how you played them before or, or did they try and do anything different? Um, I'd say most everybody stayed true to who they were. Mm. Um, there weren't really a, a whole lot of wrinkles. You know, a few sets we may or may not have known, 
um, but just knowing the tendencies of who was going to be, you know, the main scorer or who's often used as a decoy kind of things would were able to kind of help us out, at least be able to pick up things a little bit quicker. Um, so, but I'd say, yeah, most of the teams, they stay true to who themselves um, and who they were and what they'd done all year long. And, um, and so for, that kind of benefited us. And for your program, when it came, like you mentioned before about staying true to who you are, that's really on the defensive side, like really kind of focusing in on, on defensively what you were trying to accomplish and what you were trying to do. So when it came to watching that film, your was your approach thinking like defensively, what can we put in to, you know, stop their sets or, or what type of like press we're yeah. going to put in? What, what, what was that sort of process like for you, uh, defensive minded that you are? For us more defensively is how are we going to put our kids in the best position to be successful on the defensive end? So we have one girl on our team who I literally, I mean, she is, she's an animal on the defense, defensive end. Like I, I'm going to miss her so much because she's, she's just on who I'm like, get in her face. Don't let her breathe the whole game. And that's all I want you to, you don't have no help responsibility, but I don't want your girl to touch it. And she mm -hmm. will just take you out of the game. Um, she can really focus. Um, but playing that way too, you know, it's risky because then you take a man out of help, help defense. Everybody else has got to be able, um, you know, to yeah. communicate and, and, and cover that up. Um, and just different ways, like we know, you know, a lot of teams using screens and who who you're guarding, if you need to make sure you get your butt over top of that screen instead of going under, because they're going to shoot it mm -hmm. every single time. And, you know, we got to drill that over and over. So they kind of, when they're in that moment, they already know what's expected of them. Um, and, and basically, we, we also put a lot of emphasis on keeping people out of the middle. So out of, out of every set, um, making sure you're forcing people baseline, making sure you keep your feet moving with a high hand, knowing where the help is going. If you get beat, don't ride their hip, let the help come over in the rotation. Um, but all of that is more like cohesion, right? And, yeah, and yeah. teams communicating. So that's something that we do all year long. Um, so then when we plug it into our defensive game plan, it's more like, how are, how are we matching people up and giving them jobs to be as successful as we want to be? So like, for example, my, my young eighth grader, I had her going into the game, literally Morris on the defensive end to kind of be a gnat on to, to their point guard. So she doesn't start, she didn't start for me, um, but I would, I would throw her in there and be like, okay, when you go in, you've got two or three minutes to just pick her up full court and, you know, make her miserable, uh, make her uncomfortable with the ball in her hand. And then we take her out and we put another girl on her, but just to kind of give different looks at different times of the game too, to kind of keep them on their toes. Mm -hmm. um, we just, as many, but like for the eighth grader, for example, like that's what she does really, right. really well is defend as, as well. And on the ball defensing, she's kind of a little gnat out there. So put her in the best position to be successful when she's on the floor. Um, and, and I think it does wonders for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and, with that, with all this, you know, preparation that you that you put in for um, your opponents, I, I think that one of the things that coaches always have to balance is how much information do my players need to know versus overloading them with information that makes totally. them think too much. So how, how did you kind of balance all of this information you got while also just making sure that your players knew what they needed to do and not giving them too much? Yeah, no, I, that is something that we always worry about too. Like how much is too much? Yeah. Are we overwhelming sure. you? I mean, I think we definitely throw, a, you know, more of the book at you as we get closer and bigger games as well. Um, but, I, you know, I'm really lucky. I, I have a group that 
you know, they're really responsive. They're very cerebral anyways. Um, and so it, for they've even told me, because I've asked, you know, and I'm like, do you like seeing clips or the paper? Like, what's mm -hmm. better? And they, they're like, we like to see it. I know some coaches, you know, they don't like you to see the team that you're playing before you play them because you don't want to get preconceived notions. But like yeah. for us, it works really well. Um, our kids like to know what to expect before they're out there. Um, and and so that that's kind of how we've just been able to operate. They've, they've really adjusted well. And I think just knowing, like it's not long clips or like that, we're going four or five sets, look through this or look here, here's a tendency on their press, press, this is what's open. Those kind of things, as long as they see it a few times, at least they kind of understand what you're saying mm -hmm. and then kind of are able to apply that within the framework of, you know, how we normally operate. Yeah. So um, I, I think we we do a decent job of trying to not overload them, even though I know my brain and my assistant's brains feel super overloaded. Yeah. Uh, we try and balance it with for those guys. Yeah. And, and I know that for me, just, just personally as a coach, I, I, I don't necessarily want my, my players like thinking so much I, I don't want them to be like hesitant or thinking or trying to like go through this encyclopedia of information that they have you know sometimes I just want them to play act be instinctual a little bit or just kind of use knowledge that they have so yeah, you're right it is a difficult balance it is a difficult thing to sort of try to find whatever that happy medium yeah. that, that's for sure but but I think and I'll let you speak to it I think that that amount of preparation and giving your players relevant information kind of helps them like kind of feel comfortable and kind of helps, you know, them kind of stay the course because they sort of know what to expect or they kind of know what's happening. So do you think that level of like preparation and giving your players like whatever that relevant information is, did it help them like stay calm? Did it help them stay focused? What was that like during those playoff games in terms of their like emotional and mental focus? Yeah, I think for us, kind of how we approach all of it is like preparation should bring confidence, right? If you're prepared mm -hmm. for something and you know you've put in the work and you know what you're supposed to be doing, you should be confident in the actions that you're taking um, because you know you've put in the work, right? And, and you mm -hmm. know what you're supposed to be doing. So it kind of becomes a, a reaction at that point. And so for us, uh, and, I, and I do, I think it translated to the kids, like they knew what, what the expectations were. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. And um, I think it almost kind of gave them a, a renewed level of confidence and that, hey, we can really do this because we have worked on these things a lot and I can do it in practice and I've done it in other games. Mm -hmm. So what's the excuse if I can't do it now? Like we've done it. I just have to do it in this game, right? <laughs> in order to yeah. get over that hump. Um, but I think it really does bring them more confidence in knowing that they've prepared. And I kind of try and remind them as well. I think it kind of goes to the whole, belief things that you prepare more than anyone else right that is something special to you and that they can't take away from you and, and if you put in a level of preparation in whatever it is you're doing if it's your academics mm -hmm. you know if it's at your job um if it's here on the court if you're if you put in dedicated time and really work hard in your preparation results are going to come from that so you mm -hmm. just have to trust right. the work that you put in um and and i think it really did boost their confidence as we got the ball rolling and, and moving throughout the playoffs. Yeah. And, and with that level of, of scouting, obviously other coaches did the same to you. Did, when you were going through the, the playoffs last year, what sort of things did you see that 
in your mind, you're like, oh, like other coaches must have watched filmed on us because they're trying to do this to stop us. And there's always this kind of like chess match that takes place. So what did you have situations like that? Were there things that you saw that other teams purposely were trying to do because of film that they saw on you? What was that um, experience like? Yeah, no doubt. I always, you know, we knew other teams are watching you too, right? So you have <laughs> to be prepared for an, Yeah, so if I'm doing it, someone else is doing it. So, um, and, and I think for our team, like I said, we're, you know, we're not going to outshoot you. Sure. Um, you know, we have one or two kids that I can consistently rely on for double figures. Um, and then after that, let's hope one of the others steps up and gives us a big <laughs> night. Who is it going to be night tonight? Um, or at least a few, give me a little a few chip-ins. So with, with that being said, you know, we had, had a couple people, you know, triangle and two, box and one us, those kind of things. Um, but we, we were prepared for those. We knew those things were probably going to happen. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, it didn't, it didn't drastically change how we were going to approach things on the offensive end um, because, you know, we prepared for it. We, we'd seen it before in, in those regards um, and how we're defended. Um, and, you know, they might know our plays, but once again, you got to be able to stop it too. And yeah. I, I'm also fortunate to have, you know, some really good players that even if you are completely trying to take them out of the game, they're just those kind of, sometimes you got mm -hmm. those special ones that are really hard to get out of sync. Sure. So, um, but foul trouble, that's another one that, you know, you don't see coming all the time. And how do you adjust who's going to step up and um, how do you then protect the players with fouls? Um, but, but all those things, you know, all those adjustments, you know, you, t you take them as you can and, and hopefully the kids respond. And in our case, they did. Yeah. And with, with those adjustments, I know that one of the things that makes coaching in the playoffs uh, difficult and, and a bit stressful is the idea of making in-game adjustments, especially because, you know, it's win or go home sort of mentality. And so you, as a coach, have to balance like sticking to whatever game plan you had versus wanting to make adjustments or wanting to like tinker or do things based on what you see. So when you were going through those games in the playoffs last year, in terms of making in-game adjustments, how much did you find you and your staff having to make adjustments versus, hey, we're just going to stick the course and, and we're going to see this through? Um, I, I'd say there were definitely times, and my assistants are really good at this because if, if you know one wrong thing, one one thing goes wrong, I'm quick to be like, oh dang it, like <laughs> we gotta we gotta change this up. And they're always like, chill, like give it another try, like yeah. give them another look. Um, so they're really good at talking me off the cliff. But um, you know, definitely at, at some points where we thought we had really good matchups on the defensive end, they weren't good matchups on the defensive end, or we mm -hmm. got in foul trouble quick, and then all right, well, we prepared for one person guarding guarding someone who's up next, right? Um, so those kind of adjustments. As far as the offensive end goes, we really stay true to who we are and, and what we do. Um, given our kids do have a little bit of freedom out of the sets that we run to, to create. Um, but at the same time, we, we didn't really make many adjustments on the offensive end. It was really more defensive focused and um, working on screens and if, if we were really struggling to get over top of screens on shooters and we really had to kind of scrap the whole fight over, just if it's a good good switch, switch. If it's not, head really hard and get your butt back. Yeah. Um, those are kind of few like small things that we would tweak throughout the game. Um, offensively for us, you know, we, we just stick to who we are and, and keep at it. Mm, and and speaking of that, of sticking to who you are, when, when it came to those playoff games, were you – 
running the the same five and the same kind of rotations and the same subs where things getting mixed and matched a lot? I know that things change depending on foul trouble and things of that nature, but did you kind of have the same group that you were using or, or did things get varied at all? Yeah, I'd say probably the only thing that varied was, you know, as you get closer and closer to that state title game and the games get tighter and tighter, your bench kind of shrinks for you, right? Who you trust on the court um, in those big moments, it, it gets fewer and fewer. So mm -hmm. I, I think, honestly, we were probably, even in the state title game, we went about six deep. Um, we only took one player off the bench um, coming in to sub in. And um, those kids, they got to be in shape. You got to know when to call some timeouts and not waste them, but also get your kids some air and um, keep the momentum going. Um, but for us, I, I think definitely, for me at least um, as a coach, when we get tighter in those games, who I feel comfortable on the court, it gets it gets smaller and smaller. So um, we prepare, but we keep it tight. <laughs> we keep what we got on the floor. And and everybody on your on your bench, they, they were still engaged. They were still supportive. Oh, they had no issue. They were good. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's I mean, these girls are awesome. They are, and they know that. And and once again, that's kind of a conversation that we have throughout the year. I'm like, yeah, you you've been getting decent minutes from me, but in games like this. It's if you haven't shown it to me by now, I'm going to go to where my trust lies um, and I'm going to ride that trust out. Sure. Um, and if somebody's got a hot hand, all right, I'm sticking with them. We're going to move stuff that way for the for her. And you're not going to be getting as many breaks, I guess, and, and, and getting as many opportunities on the floor. And uh, luckily, we got a group of girls that they're very, very close. Um, they get along great. And our and that's another thing that you know that we look for and, and that we harp on our kids is you better be engaged on the bench because mm -hmm. if you're not engaged on the bench then I'm certainly never putting you in the game. Um, so they do a great job of of giving all giving all their energy and, and staying engaged and with each other whether or not it was the best thing for them personally or not. And. Having that group and, and shrinking, and I, I, I know I've done that too, and I think a lot of coaches do, it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks the, the bigger the game sort of gets. And you said you're down to about six. Yeah. Uh, with as much emphasis as you do have on defense, what specific principles or things did you emphasize to make sure that your team stayed out of foul trouble? You kind of talked a little bit about a couple things, but I know that's a big concern is if this is all we're going to roll with, you you guys, you girls can't get into foul trouble. So what did you kind of emphasize to make sure that they were staying on the court? Oh, yeah, that's I mean, that's huge for us. And that's and I think that kind of goes back to the preparation thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where we move in practice. We dedicate at least, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of a, of a two hour practice to just footwork on defense, because our big thing is. You know, you play defense with your feet first. Not your hands. And, and yeah, and a lot of these kids, I mean, it, it's tough. And I know for myself, too, it was, it's a hard lesson to learn because yep. you want to reach, you want to get your hands up. Um, but, man, we drill them hard in practice with you play with your feet, you move your feet, your hands are just kind of the extra, right? If you can get a hand on something or it's more of a decoy than anything else, but mm -hmm. don't you put your hands on anybody. And they, I mean, and, and it's another thing that we talk about, too, is like, Playing defense with your with your feet, not only is it, is it a skill, but it's a want to thing. Like you have to want to do that because it's not easy. It's really hard. Um, so you you really kind of have that that mentality had kind of been building all year long. And you know, for those kids, two two years prior is something that we've you know really harped on from the beginning. And it's a mindset that we've kind of been able to develop and 
really hone in on that skill itself is just moving your feet and not reaching and not touching. Yeah. Um, you know, with that said, of course, you're going to pick up cheap ones here and there every now and then. Um, but I mean, we, we were able to really avoid significant foul trouble down the stretch um, in our conference turn in our conference championship game. That's, that was where we had our most foul trouble when, you know, our, our best player um, who's going to JMU next year, she, she had three fouls in like the first half and most of the time, right. She's an experienced player and she had two and, most of the time, I'd yank them if they'd have two in the first half. But I was like, she looked at me. She's like, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she, she's smart. She's got this. But, you know, you can't help yourself sometimes, happens, right? Course. Like, yeah, you just – it's just however you react. And so, um, at that point, you know, other people got to step up. But definitely for us, it's, it's a footwork thing. Um, hands are second, feet are first. And keeping things – you know, tighter and tighter as, as the season goes on and, and playoffs go on. So you are just having, you know, five, six, maybe seven players that you really, really trust out there for somebody who is as defensive minded as you are. Is that something that you had to consider in terms of like the types of defense that you were, that you were putting out there, how much you pressed, how much pressure you put on the ball, or did you just say, Hey, like, I trust you and, and we're going to go out there and we're going to do this and you better be in shape to make it happen. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, certainly we have to, you know, that's why I tell them all the time when we got to run and practice. I'm like, yo, y'all, you think this is punishment, but it's got to happen because you've got to be able to, you know, withstand these things. Um, so we try and make sure that we're in as best shape as we can be in, um, especially down the stretch and, and have those legs as well. Um, not just your air, but your legs. But um, certainly the kind of defense we play, we are about as bland as you get. And that, that was kind of our purpose was like, <laughs> we're going to focus on one defense and we're going to get it right. And we're going to make sure we do it perfect. And um, half court man to man. Um, we knew if we could, you know, really get down our half court man to man really well, um, then it could cause problems for people, you know, here and there, if, if we got down and it was late in the game, we'd throw on the full court press. Um, I don't think throughout the playoff runs, we showed any of our zones we kind of, I think that kind of goes back to like, we stuck with what we were really good at and we knew that was our half court man. Um, and so we were like, we'll put all our emphasis on this and we're going to live and die by it. Um, and, and, you know, we're not going to, because there definitely were times where I was like, man, and we've played this team twice. Like, what if we show them our zone this time and see what they got? Like, yeah. ah, it's a game. Like you're, as a coach, you're thinking, oh, this could be a good move, but also a gamble. And for me, yeah. it was kind of like, you know, stay, stay true to who you are, know what you do really, really well and do it well. Right. Um, and so we just, we did, we stayed half court man to man the, the entire playoff run. Yeah. And, and I know for, for me personally, I've, I've had a couple teams that I coach at the middle school level who, who've won championships. I've been really fortunate to have that. And one of my philosophies with that is I didn't want to out coach myself yeah, that's kind of the situation you run in. Like, I don't want to beat myself by yeah. like coaching and, and doing something just to like do it. And, and yeah. like, why did I do that even in the first place? Like, what was this for? Like, I feel like it, that's my hard. internal battle all the time. Right. It, no, it, 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 yeah, but it, it is hard because you don't, and I, and I guess we can kind of get into it now. I was going to talk about it later, but we're here now. So for you and in, in terms of emotionally and mentally, what was that journey like where, no coach wants to be like, feel like they're the reason that a team loses. So they have to kind mm -hmm. of balance that pressure where, okay, I'm going to 
keep even keel and I'm going to, you know, do what I need to do. And, and I'm going to be the calm force on the bench and we're going to make this happen. So when you're going through those playoff games for you personally, in terms of your own emotional and, and mental stability for a lack of a better term, what yeah. was that journey like for you to, to make sure that you were the best coach that you could be? Yeah, no, I, I think I'm, I'm someone who's really anxious to begin with. So <laughs> I was just at a whole nother level going through the playoffs, but, and I like to, you know, joke too, that, so we play in that conference championship game and, lost to Nansman Suffolk and I feel like I didn't sleep the entire next week because that whole next week was states and I just put so much not only was it just like oh all this stuff that I could have done better but then you start preparing for every single game you got and I think that's where I really just threw myself into is just like prepare as best you can and if you've known you prepared as best of you can and prepared your team as best as you can then that's the best you can do, right? Then all else, you know, it takes luck too sometimes, right? So sure. ball's got to bounce the right way. So I, I think I just really threw myself more into like preparing myself and preparing my kids as best that I can. And then you got to live with it. But I also know for me personally, like if I'm, we're riding to a game, I'm listening to like low key music. Like I'm not, I'm not listening to that hype music because I know it's just going to get me all antsy. Like I've got to, relax and kind of get my mind straight before those games because you do you want to be that calming presence um kind of be that force of stability uh during a time where it, it gets really crazy out there which I know I am not always but I do try to be so um you certainly never want to be feel like you've let them down and mm -hmm. so I, I I think you know preparing preparing as well as you can is the best that you can do and then man, you just, you just pray you don't let anybody down. But I yeah. certainly, you know, you go through all the end-of-game situations in your mind. We walked through several, several like, end-of-game plays. Like, what if this happens? You know, what if there's five seconds left on the clock and we got to hit a three? Um, kind of just using, you know, five minutes at the end of practice just to even walk through those kind of plays. So then yeah. you have them in your head. When you draw them up, at least they've seen it before and they've mm -hmm. run it before. Doesn't mean it'll, you know, work perfectly. But there's some form of recognition there. Um, so just trying to prepare in, in small ways like that um, to hopefully be able to get over the hump if right. you need to. Stay, stay as prepared as best you can. It, it might calm you down a little bit, <laughs> just right. all that, but you know, it's, it's difficult, of course. It, it is, it difficult. is. And, and even if you've been through it a couple of times, it's still like, whew, like <laughs> you still get a little worked up over it for sure. Oh yeah. I like the idea of calm music. I try to do that too. I don't need too much to amp me up, especially. Exactly. I'm, all, I'm always <laughs> like, settle yourself down, girl. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Um, going back to, you talked about your, your half court man to man, and that that's pretty much what you stuck with. So I, I wanted to just kind of touch on that. What was the most important, like, foundational piece for that defense to be successful? Um, I'd say communication. Um, aside from like all the technical pieces for us, it's communication because, you know, we like to say we were playing a team defense. So it's not me stop my man. It's we stop them. Um, so, you know, if you get beat, we want you to get beat. Right. Like, I don't want you riding somebody's hip to the basket and picking up a cheap Maybe foul. A foul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford it. So if you get beat, get beat. And you got to know and trust and believe that your teammate is going to be there and help. But all of that's communication. Um, and so that's something that we really harp on every day is just purposeful communication um, on the floor and playing as a team on the defensive end. 
um, because I think when you do that and you're working more as a unit on the defensive end instead mm -hmm. of I got mine, you got yours, um, you're a much, much harder team to penetrate and, and get open shots because um, you can cover a lot more ground if you're communicating about what is going on and where it's going on. Um, so I definitely say communication is a big piece. Um, and, and the second second piece for us is, of course, you know, play with your feet first. Um, mm -hmm. No no cheap fouls. We want we also want to send everybody baseline. We want to keep the ball out of the middle of the floor and in the paint as, as few as possible. We want it outside. We want it out wide. Um, so kind of just really, really drilling and harping on keep everything, you know, pushed to the side and feet first. Yeah. Um, you mentioned communication, and I think every coach who I've ever talked to has said that my team doesn't communicate enough. So, I, I'm gonna, like I'm it. gonna, I'm gonna ask you what, what, what do you, what do you do? What do you do in practice? What do you emphasize with your team? I guess how do you get your team to communicate? And it sounds like they probably still don't communicate enough for your liking. I'm telling you, I, it's a constant, constant battle, and. You know, even, even when we do it really well, I don't think it's good enough, right? Because mm -hmm. I always think you can be communicating more. Um, but I think a lot of it goes to, you know, the chemistry of your team and the trust of your team. And for us, at least in that point, you know, we've been playing, those girls have been playing together, you know, last year when we won, pretty much three, three years in a row. Um, and, and they're getting used to each other on the court. And with that familiarity brings – the confidence to speak with each other because I think communication also goes back to confidence like they don't want to say the wrong thing they don't want to be heard necessarily all the time they just want to do it mm -hmm. um but you got to be confident in it and for us it is something you know that we harp on daily and if they're not talking and you know especially if we're doing defensive drills and that gym is quiet we run them you know that's just kind of our, our way to at least emphasize like I know y'all don't like to run we need to run because you need to be in good shape. So if y'all ain't got to talk, then that's when I'll make you run. Yeah. Um, because that's how important that we think that communication is. So, um, and especially these days, you know, we got kids in practice wearing masks and I'm yelling at them to talk too. They just really hate me, but yeah. um, I do. It, it's hard. And that's what I tell them too, is that it's really hard to do and to make yourself do, especially if you, you know, you're winded and all those kind of things, but the hard, the details, all those things, you know, that's what makes you great. So if you're committed to being great, then that's a non-negotiable. You've got to communicate in order to be on the floor. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the standard, and, and they know that. And uh, we've gotten a lot better. Um, always room for growth though, there. Yeah, no, no, always room to get better, especially if communication. But I, I think it's, I think if it's something that, like you mentioned, that you consistently like harp on and like don't let up on, I think it helps. And I, I know for me as a coach, I sometimes think that, or used to think that like communication would just be like something you would naturally do. Yeah. But it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. Like you do have to emphasize it. You can't just assume, especially if something like that. But like you mentioned in your case, if it is something that you are continually emphasizing and continually uh, correcting, then hopefully then the message gets through, which it sounds like uh, it definitely did, <laughs> at oh, least yeah. in some part, for sure. And that's the thing too. I think, you know, with them, it starts at the top too. So I can sit there and preach all day about communicating, but that means that I also, and my staff, we have to be able to bring the energy and we have to be communicating our practice, mm -hmm. right? Like there should never be a time where I'm just sitting there arms crossed, not talking and, and just watching. Like maybe if we're doing some sets for a few seconds, but most of the time, I'm trying to make a conscious effort 
to, to cheer someone on, to fix something, as long as there's some sign of communication. And if it gets quiet in that gym, it's on me, it's on them. And then ultimately it's on the kids to mm -hmm. get that communication up. Um, sure. But but I think it starts at the top. I, I want them to kind of emulate how we go about things. So mm -hmm. they're kind of stepping into that culture. Yeah. So coach, take us, take us to that championship game. Take us to that final game that you played last year. Uh, I think you mentioned before as a team that you had played before. So mm -hmm. you've seen them a couple times. So in that game, did things go the way that you prepared for? Were there some curveballs that you were, that were thrown your way? What was the, the situation and how did things go during that game? If you can take us back Man, to that day. I'll tell you, it, it really kind of came out as a shock to me because I think the first quarter and the first few minutes were the best few minutes that we had played all year. Like we that's, that's really nice. came out, right? Like we really came out the gates hard and fast and, and confident. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we were just able to jump on them really, really fast. So, I mean, um, at halftime, I, I believe we were up about 15 or so. I mean, we really came out the gate strong. So, um, that was kind of my curveball because sure. even though you feel good because you're doing really well, I yeah. knew that team were not going to lay down and die. They were yeah. going to adjust and they were definitely going to come storming back. And I also knew that we probably weren't going to stay as hot as we were in the first half and the second half. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of more the message going into halftime was like, yeah, that was really great. But we had a whole half of basketball left to play. And in big games like that, you know, you can't take anything for granted. So mm -hmm. we really was kind of, you know, trying to keep the foot on the gas. And we knew that we had to be prepared and mentally tough enough to kind of, you know, weather their runs because they were going to make runs. Um, they were going to get it close. And I think um, they got as close as six or eight at one point. I mean, they did. They came storming back. Give mm -hmm. them credit. They're a really good team. Um, and we knew they were going to. And that was, you know, kind of the message was we're going to have to weather their storm yeah. and not get intimidated and continue to do what you do really well um, in order in order to hang on to that lead and, and finish the game out strong. Yeah. Um, so that that was definitely my curveball, which is a good and bad curveball to have, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that it's a really good message, though, to like tell your players like, hey, like they're gonna they're, they're they're coming back like we have we haven't won anything yet they're gonna like do something different like and that's okay totally. like that's fine but let's just like keep keep zeroed in and keep focused in so with that uh in that situation where they cut the lead down to uh, i think you said it got down to six at that point for you as a coach are you thinking in your mind like okay like i said they're gonna make a run and they made a run so it is what it is or like Alarms going off in your head, like like what's happening oh, yeah. at that point? I think at that point I'm like, oh my gosh, here we are. Like I told you guys, so I knew <laughs> this was coming. Yeah, that's kind of what's definitely going through your head, um, and, and that's kind of where I start reminding myself and my coaches, like we knew they were going to come back. Mm -hmm. We've got to finish, um, and that comes back to your execution and, and your confidence in your execution um, in those last final minutes um, and what they're doing. So. No doubt. I was definitely starting to sweat it a little bit. I feel like you never feel comfortable, especially in a game like that. Like you never feel like you've got it won. I don't think I felt like we had it won until there was the time ran off the clock. Um, so, you know, yeah. you just keep chugging ahead. And that was kind of the message was like, how do you respond when things suddenly aren't going really well? Like it was going really well and we're all hype and, and the games, you know, it's great. But how do you respond when it doesn't go really well? Because, you know, that's coming up soon. Yeah. Um, and our kids, you know, they were phenomenal. They responded like they, 
things weren't going our way and they still found a way to, you know, really push through and make sure they finished the job. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like they didn't really get like too rattled or they were, they didn't, they, they didn't. And, you know, I do. think some of my younger ones were kind of feeling, you know, the jitters a little bit. We started making, you know, a few turnovers we normally wouldn't mm-hmm. have made. Um, but at that point, you know, that's where your job as a coach is to help settle down and then re-give that confidence to them that everything yeah. is cool, right? Yeah. Like, Stay with what you've been doing. Don't sure. just because they're getting hot doesn't mean that that you're not right. Like yeah. keep firing, keep at it. So yeah, yeah no, hundred uh, percent. No, I like that. That you, you can catch hot again too, and yeah, start making shots. Yeah. Uh, speaking of curveballs, I'm gonna throw a, a little bit of a a curveball at you because I was thinking about this as you were kind of going over uh, some things. For for this current season, you have, you know, players, I don't know how much playing time some of them got, but you have, I'm sure, players who returned from that team. I, that year. I, have it. I didn't lose a single player. So single one. So with that, <laughs> now now what? Now what's the message now that they've already hit this peak to keep going and like be as focused and be as sharp as they were before? I think that has been our biggest challenge this year um with those kids because right they achieved what they wanted to achieve um and they know that they can do it um and I think the biggest thing that you can face is being comfortable like the biggest threat to your team and 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 you know and your success is getting comfortable and I think you know that's where we kind of started the year off is that we're really comfortable you know with what we've done and they want to they say you know oh yeah we want to win another state championship well you're not if you're not going to step it up, right? And so that's kind of been her biggest message is you can't be comfortable. You can't be content because now the target is on your back. Um, and yes, I know you exact, this exact same group of girls did it last year. But guess what? If 2020 taught us nothing else, nothing is guaranteed, right? So you have to continue to work and, and focus in on those details and you can't take them for granted. Because if you do, you may not get the opportunity again. Or when you do, you're not going to execute at a high level because yeah. you're not as hungry. Right. right. So how do we keep you hungry and not feeling content and comfortable? Because um, like I said, I mean, we do focus a lot on the details. So a lot of the things that we do in practice are, you know, it's a lot of the same every day or, you know, a mix up of drills that mm-hmm. are very, very similar because we want to make sure that, you know, we're getting the reps that, that enough reps and that, so that we're, you know, ready to go and ready yeah. to perform without having to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's easy to start going through the motions and you know, what's, what to expect from coach, you know, what's to expect from your teammates. Well, the minute you let your guard down is when somebody else is getting ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Right. And when someone else is outworking you. And I think, you know, we were able to make our living and, and get our, get our wins from putting in the preparation and staying hungry. So, yeah. you know, now it's making sure we stay hungry and not get comfortable. Yeah, I, I told my players from both both the teams that, that won um, the, the championships at the middle school level, I actually left uh, the, the programs each time after we won. But I told the players who are going to still be on that team, it was like the seventh graders, I said, you know, you're going to get everybody's best shot. And everyone, if they do beat you, are going to brag about beating you. Like it's going to mm-hmm. be a status thing. So I, it did a lot of appeal to their ego, I remember. Absolutely. That's how it's going to, like, they're all going to go on, you know, Instagram or Snapchat saying uh, oh, they beat you. And they didn't like that's that. That's why I said, <laughs> that, like, you know, we started off being, we want to prove people wrong, right? Well, you've proven yourself now, but can you maintain it? Like that's mm-hmm. your next challenge. Cause now everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. So uh, you better make sure, better make sure they remember. Sure. 
Uh, okay, so before we hit our, our concluding segment, I, I want you to uh, pretend like you're speaking to a coach who might be going to the playoffs for the first time, coaching through the playoffs for the first time, and they just need some words of wisdom. Because like I said, maybe by the time this episode gets released, some of you listening might be in that position. So coach, if you if you had that coach in front of you and you just had to give them some words of wisdom, what would you tell them? Um, I'd say trust your gut. You know, truly stay true to who you are. Don't outcoach yourself or overcoach the game. Mm -hmm. um, trust your gut. Go with your gut and uh, fall back on your preparation. And try and stay calm because that that's that's the advice I got to give myself all the time is try and stay calm. Um, because if you're in control, um, or at least you feel or project that you're in control, they're going to feel the same way. They're going to, your kids are going to take the energy that you give off. So mm -hmm. uh, be confident, trust yourself, trust your judgment and trust your gut. Sometimes easier said than done. No, I think, that's, I think doubt, that is what, I think doubt. those are good words. Wisdom. I can say the right things, but I got to remind myself too. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, yeah, I want to trust my gut, but then my stomach is a knot. So then exactly, but, exactly. No, I, no, I, but you, what you do bring up is a good point. Like whatever you did as a coach got you to that point. So you know what you're doing. Like, you know who you are, you know what you're doing. Right. And, and, I, and again, I, I think that kind of ties back to, to what we talked about earlier where if you coached and you did things a certain way that got you to the playoffs and then you try doing something different and it doesn't work out, it's going to be a lot of uh, reflection you're going to be doing, yeah, I think, as to why you feel like you you're changed. kicking yourself in the butt after right, that. Right. And, of course, you do want to prepare and, of course, you want to, you know, know what the other team is doing, but you would hate, like we talked about, you'd hate to be – in a losing situation because you as a coach fought that you like overcoached or like you tried to like do too much and you coached yourself out of the game. So uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's easier to kind of live with yourself as a coach, at least for me personally, if I know that I stuck with what I did and it like didn't work out versus like I tried to blow everything up and it didn't work out. Well, of course it didn't work out because <laughs> I blew exactly. everything up. Like, right? What were you thinking? Yeah. So yeah, I like that. Trust your judgment, trust your gut. You, you got there for a reason. So amen. believe in that. Exactly. So to wrap up, coaches, a couple questions I ask every guest. Uh, this first one, um, what is a coaching moment? It could be from any, anywhere in your coaching career, but what is a coaching moment of yours that you think others listening would be able to learn from? You know, I, I was thinking about that, and I honestly think it goes back to this this past season, the one that, that we're touching on right now, the championship season, um, is really, too, I think I, I really did honestly learn to trust my gut in that situation mm -hmm. because – you know, the year before we had been in the playoffs and that was truly my first time as a head coach coaching my team through the playoffs. And you're right, you're jittery. You, you know, you think you need to make something up. You, you think you need to really come up with a genius idea to beat these teams. And you start putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And, um, you know, I, I think I really did learn this year to um, fall back, trust your gut, listen to, to what you do best. And I think at the end of the day, if you, if you truly just, try and put the kids in the best position for them to individually each be successful individually, then, you know, you're putting your team in a really good chance to be successful in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think to kind of step back and, and, and look at it that way, like where can I put these guys and, and in what positions, you know, can I, can I put them in on the floor that's going to, you know, make them confident, make them feel comfortable, give them a really good purpose and, and ultimately lead them to be successful. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of my best lesson that I got. 
Well, you bring up a, a good point too. And I, I was thinking about that as you were talking about like your half court man and, and that that's kind of what you stick through. And we talk about like the pressure and everything that kind of happens with the playoffs and, and for us as coaches, there's definitely a lot with players too. And so if players are really comfortable, right, doing like their half court man and all of a sudden my coach told me to do like a two, three, like as a player, I might, I might be like, oh no, like I haven't, when's the last time I did this two, three, am I doing really? this what right? What if I do and, this wrong? And, yeah, and then you almost might be putting un, undue pressure on your players and they might not be able to just like go play because they might be doing something that's new to them and they might be a little hesitant. They might be nervous about it. Whereas in your case, like you mentioned, they're doing half court man. Well, okay, we've been doing half court man this whole time. I don't have to like think about that. Like I just know, right. I just, I can just go play. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Not making things too complex, uh, right, if man. possible. Simple, simple. <laughs> Simple's always better for sure. Um, great. So to wrap up, I give every guest what I call a 60 second soapbox, basically your opportunity to get out like your final message, final thought, your closing idea that you want to leave uh, the listeners with. So coach, I'm going to go ahead and give you that floor. So take it away. Gosh, you know, I guess my 60, my 60 second soapbox would be um, for me being a coach, uh, a woman in the profession and, and coaching young women is to really invest in these young, young women and especially um, you know, grow the game, do what you can to give back to the game, do what you can to inspire young women um, and encourage them to stick with the sport or to stick with sport in general. Um, but, uh, you know, I think ultimately sports and, and for me with my bias, basketball, it can be such a vehicle um, for these kids and at the high school level, especially, you know, for us, it, it's a way to get people and put them in better positions in their lives. It, it gives them the opportunity to learn lessons that they're not necessarily learning in the classroom. Um, it's setting them up for a future. Um, so don't, you know, don't just look at it as just a hobby for yourself or intrinsically you want to get the best out of your teams. Like remember the bigger purpose. And I think especially for women in sports, um, it's important to grow the game because um, it's still a little bit behind our numbers of just across across the country and not as many females, especially playing in basketball right now. Mm -hmm. um, generate the interest, get them out there, start them out there young, um, reach out and get your teams involved with younger teams. Do what you can to give back to the game of basketball because, you know, like I said, it's been really good to me and probably to most of you listening because that's probably why you're listening. Um, so do what you can to give back. Let's grow the game and let's get more, more women out there, more female leaders, um, give them, give them confidence to do the best they can and anywhere they go in life. Yeah. I lo love it. I mean, I, I'm somebody who's coached girls many, many years now. Like I, I'm all about it. And, and like you said, I think that it's great to also empower girls and women to, to be out there and coaching especially of sport like basketball and I know for me personally I would love for any of my like former players to get into coaching and give back that right. way, something they're interested in so awesome love it <laughs> and that is a great great thought to leave at so uh coach Basil I want to thank you for, for spending some time talking about your coaching talk about the playoffs talking about everything that that went through navigating that run of yours uh it was a great conversation. Good luck. And I uh, hope you have the opportunity to do it again this year. So good hey, luck. Hey, thank forward. you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. It was, it was a blast. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who listened. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thank Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email 
at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.